Good morning. Welcome to Evangel this rather chilly morning. You're going to need to clap and possibly even dance to generate a little bit of heat. We have people still joining us. Welcome to those of you at home on the live stream. We are thankful for you. We are thankful for those who are in the building this morning. We invite you to stand and join us. Now, this morning, right at the beginning, we need you to be our choir. So altos, sopranos, bass singers, you need to sing this out. We are going to start our morning with the doxology. Praise God from whom all good blessings flow. So will you join us? Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever, for He is good. He is above all things. His love endures forever. Amen. Do you believe that this morning, that God is with you? Why don't you greet someone this morning and, and then find your way to your seats? We have a few announcements for you. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It is good to see you here this morning. Just a few quick announcements before we go back into a time of worship. The first, uh, we announced last week that uh, our office administrator, Cindy, is, is retiring uh, at the end of November, kind of mid to end November. And so we have put up a position profile on our website for any who are interested or who may know someone who is interested. We are accepting resumes at this time. So you can find that at our website, epcoakville.com. Next announcement is Momentum Fundraising. Now, if you don't know what Momentum is, Momentum is a junior high convention. So it is solely for junior high students, grade 6 to grade 8, and it is an awesome time uh, where we go for a weekend and we get to experience worship and, 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 and we get to hear from guest speakers with students from across the province. It is happening from November 4th to 5th. However, we are announcing that we are going to do a fundraiser uh, event for our students this year. The cost to go is $90, but we want to reduce it as much as we can for the students who are attending so that they are able to attend in a way that is affordable for them. So what we're going to be doing is on October 23rd, our students will be cooking you a spaghetti lunch after service. So if you want a plate, it is $15 a person. We are taking sign up starting today at the information desk just in the lobby. On your way out, you can sign your name, how many plates you would like, and we are going to start collecting payment for it next week. And then October 23rd is when you will be served your dish. It'll be served in takeout containers, so you can take them to go, or you can eat in our steward hall. There will be spaghetti, garlic bread, and pumpkin pie. So that is the menu for the morning. It's going to be perfect October 23rd fall uh, fall lunch. So make sure to sign up and, and support our junior highs in that way. It would be greatly appreciated. Next announcement, there is no kids church this morning. So kids and parents, there are activity packets for you guys uh, located on your way in. If you didn't pick one up, you can go run out and grab one. There's coloring sheets and more to keep your kids occupied during our service this morning. Otherwise, I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to take up our morning tithes and offerings. And as we do, I'll turn it back over to Carlene and the team. God bless. You can remain seated for now. We'll ask you to stand and join us in a moment. Thank you for the way that you love us, how you love us. 
Calls me to be like you. 
Everybody in this place and on this live stream is walking an easy road right now. Some of us are in the fire. Some of us are in the water that feels like it's overwhelming. Some of us are in a path of rejoicing and strength. But it doesn't matter because you are good in all of it. Your blessings are true and faithful in all of it. We can stand and we can say, thank you, Jesus. You are good. Your kindness is forever. Your mercy is forever. Your grace is beyond what words can capture and what minds can ever see. And so in that attitude and spirit of gratitude this morning, would you find our hearts soft? Would you find us willing to hear your word, to be changed and moved closer, to look more like you, to sound more like you, to smell more like you? Thank you, Jesus. You've set us free, and in that freedom we rejoice. Amen. Scripture today is found in Psalm chapter 100, and we're going to be reading the whole chapter, just five verses long. It says, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into courts, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Thank you, church. You may be seated this morning, and thank you, worship team, for leading us. One of the things that I love most about Thanksgiving holiday is the opportunity to spend time with family. See, Esther, for Esther and I, family time, especially around the holidays, is held very highly on our list of priorities. But one of the things that tires me out the most about the holidays is just a combination of having to drive long distances, talk to, talk to people for hours on end, and, and also eating a full dinner that just, you know, you're stuffed, you want to just lay down and sleep. But I think I found a solution to my problem this year. We're having about 15 people at our house later today, uh, four of which are children all under four years old, right? So a very active household. But, and I may be bragging a little bit, but having a wife who is halfway through her third trimester of pregnancy means we don't have to do anything but open our doors. Everything is prepared for us. I have my, my comfy clothes ready to go, right? I get home, I put on my ham pants, and I'm set. Right? I get to eat dinner, I get to talk as much as I want, and when all is said and done, I get to lay out on my couch and fall asleep with the inevitable food coma that follows. For real, it brings a tear to my eye how beautifully everything kind of lined up. It's like an introvert's Thanksgiving dream. All that to say, though, 
I know that since today is Thanksgiving and, and, and we have our minds set on our, on our ovens, on our gatherings, on our family, above anything else. But even though that may be the case, I want to challenge us this morning to put aside that busyness and the distractions for a few moments and focus on what we can learn from the Word today. For Thanksgiving, I thought it would only be appropriate to take a look at what is called the Thanksgiving Psalm. And to do that, we'll be taking a break from our current sermon series uh, that Pastor Shannon has been leading us through based on the life of David. That being said, though, many of the Psalms are attributed to David. And he writes many of them at different points in his lifetime. We heard a few weeks ago in one of Pastor Shannon's sermons from this series how he wrote one of the chapters of Psalms during his time hiding from Saul in a cave. There's another he writes during the lowest point of his life having an affair with Bathsheba. Throughout the book of Psalms, we can find key moments from David's life in order to glean more about his character and why he is described as someone who has a heart for God. The Psalms are an important book to the study of the character of David, but while many of the Psalms are attributed directly to him, Psalm 100, which we read this morning, doesn't give any indication as to who wrote it. Some actually believe it could have been Moses, as he wrote Psalm 90, And the chapters that come after that one all follow a similar trend in their themes. No matter who is ultimately responsible for writing this chapter of the book, though, it serves as an invitation for the whole world to know and to worship God. And at the heart of this invitation is the driving factor of what should lead us into worshiping and glorifying our Heavenly Father. And that's an attitude of thanksgiving. The truth is that thanksgiving is at the heart of the worshiper. Thanksgiving is at the heart of the worshiper. When we come to worship, it is an expression of our abundant thanks for what God has done in each and every one of us. Taken as a whole, joy in God is one of the most prominent themes in the entire book of Psalms. And this chapter of Psalms demonstrates that theme more than any other before it, and it does a perfect job showcasing the result of a spirit of thanksgiving in the heart of a believer. There isn't a single mournful note in this entire chapter. In these short five five verses, from beginning to end, God is praised and all the earth is called upon to join in blessing and thanking him. To me, there's something really beautiful about taking the time to study and know what it means to live in worship, to live and to worship with an attitude of thanksgiving in our hearts. When I think of Thanksgiving, I I think of all the incredible ways that God has stepped into my life and how by his grace that I am able to worship him today. And so I titled this message, Living with Thanksgiving. And I simply want us to take away from this one simple principle. And that's how our right response to God for his goodness and grace should be our joyful Thanksgiving. Now what does that mean, our right response? It means, as thanksgiving is usually a time of reflection, and quite literally, to give thanks. It's important for us to be able to examine our lives, and the places and areas of it that God's goodness and mercy have entered in and transformed us for the better. And because of that, recognize that our response to God for all he is, and all that he has done, should be our thanksgiving. And so our first point this morning, with joy... With joy. One of my most prominent memories growing up happened back in 2010. It's weird to say that that was a while ago, right? Time just flies. But it was on February 28th. 
and it was the gold medal game of the Vancouver Winter Olympics. I was over at my friend's house with a few other people from our youth group at the time. We were watching the hockey game, uh, and it was the most intense, one of the most intense hockey games I've ever watched up till this point in my lifetime. Right? The score was 2-2 headed into overtime. Right? Next goal takes the gold medal home, either for Canada or for the USA. So one minute of overtime passes, then another minute, then another, and then seven minutes into overtime, Sidney Crosby slotted the puck past the goalie for the golden goal that was heard across Canada. And my friends and I, right, we went wild. We were jumping up and down. We were shouting. We took off our jerseys. We were swinging. The, like, it was, it was nuts. And then we went out into my friend's neighborhood, and all of his neighbors were doing the exact same thing. It was like the entire country lit up all at once at this amazing moment. There was unmistakable joy in the air that night. And the man himself, Sidney Crosby, said that when he, when he shot the puck, he didn't even see it go into the net. He didn't even know it went in until he heard the shouts and the screams from the people in the crowd. Others who were there remember seeing grown men cry in the stands because it just meant... It just meant that much to Canadians at the time. Isn't it wild how there are things that we just get so drawn into that when we see something happen or something gets announced or something catches us by surprise that it just brings such joy to us and our only response is to shout it out, to open our mouths and to express that joy in some way by telling others about what happened. Those times where our joy felt so complete and fulfilled that it became such an important milestone in our lives that we couldn't just keep it to ourselves. That gold medal game and the experience I had with my friends and, and the joy that we felt afterwards was, that was so strong, we just had to go outside and shout it out. That was something I'll never forget. When we begin this chapter in Psalms, the very first verses we read are about the author encouraging all the earth to praise the Lord. Not just to praise, actually, but to shout with joy. It's an invitation from the writer of this chapter, not just to the original audience, but to the whole world to worship him with gladness. These verses echo a verse that came previously in Psalm chapter 98, verse 4, which says, Shout to the Lord all the earth, break out in praise, and sing for joy. See, we give thanks to God through the action of praise. Praise reveals who we are thankful to. Out of the overflow of thankful and grateful hearts, our praise will naturally flow out of that. And the joy that we experience and express is the result of our praise. Now, some believe that this psalm was used in the temple as a call to worship for those coming into the temple to offer their sacrifices and praise the Lord. In fact, this psalm is still used in many synagogues for that purpose, as an invitation to offer praise to God. And in the couple of chapters before, uh, in Psalms before ours today, specifically starting in chapter 95, up to, including, up to and including ours, there are about 19 references to, to declaring in some way that the Lord is good, whether by singing or shouting or worshiping or telling. At the time of writing, it was customary for people who were in the presence of their king that they would let out a shout of victory, a shout of proclamation. When the king was in their presence, the crowd would light up with joy. And this passage this is saying this morning that that's how our, God, our joy in God should be expressed as well. <coughs> Excuse me. The Bible never suggests, though, that that's how it should always be and that you're wrong for doing it otherwise. 
We all experience the highs and the lows in life, and those have a great effect on our thanksgiving to God. In fact, thanksgiving as a holiday for many isn't a time where giving thanks is something that they can do because of the painful circumstances that can sometimes surround us. It's hard to shout for joy when we lose a loved one. It's hard to shout for joy when a relationship is broken. It is hard to shout for joy when we are feeling anxious or depressed. Our Heavenly Father knows this. The Bible even tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Thanksgiving as a day and thanksgiving as an offering to God can both be difficult because we go through the highs and lows of life that can dictate our response to these things. But if God has worked a victory or a miracle in your life, we are told to shout it out. If he has answered your prayer, shout with joy. The call for a shout of joy to the Lord wasn't just for the people of Israel, but again, as the author specifies, that it is for all people. And that in and of itself is significant. A lot of times we can think that it is not in my personality to shout and to get loud. And I say that to someone, or I say that to you as someone who is very fine keeping his volume below room temperature levels, right? Like, I like being quiet. I, I, I don't like getting loud. But our text doesn't say that only those with extroverted personalities should shout with joy. It says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. There's this missionary focus to the verse. For all the earth to shout joyfully to the Lord, they must know who he is. And one way that they should know that he's worth shouting about is through our testimony and our demonstration of our joy for all he is and all the things he has done. It's easy to use our voices to talk and make noise about the things in our lives that we are passionate about. We can do that about a, we can do that about a sports game, for example. But why not make a joyful noise for God? Singing, shouting, worshiping, telling. All of these are ways that we can use our voice to bring glory to God and show others what he is about. The universal nature of this call is no accident either. After rising from the dead, Jesus commissioned his disciples to preach, to speak, to tell, to use their voice to preach the gospel to the whole world. And if you're anything like me, and shouting and singing loud is, is something that makes you uncomfortable, maybe, maybe making a joyful noise looks more like joyfully telling someone about the God you serve. Right? Some translations of this chapter say, make a joyful noise. Instead of shout for joy. So I'm of the opinion that you don't need to raise your voice to do this. You just need to use your voice. If you want to shout it out, by all means, shout it out. Because the Lord has done so many amazing things that so many of us here today can praise him for. But no matter how we use our voice to make a noise for God, we are called to do so with joy for all that he is and all that he has done. Our second point, his people. In a chapter that's so, that talks so extensively on simply praising the Lord with joy in our hearts, you may find it odd that suddenly the author inserts this verse about how God is our creator and how we are his people. What does that fact that the Lord is God and that he made us have to do with, with, with giving thanks? A lot, actually. And the truth is that we may have many reasons to give God our praise, and throughout our lives, we will find many more to do so. But one of the biggest reasons to joyfully worship God is because of his work as our Father who made us. We were made by God in his image. David expresses this in Psalm chapter 139. He says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. 
And he didn't just make us to abandon us either. He made us and cares for us like a shepherd cares for his sheep. Again, as our passage today points out. This imagery shows God's loving care. He leads, he protects, he disciplines, he guides. We're not left to ourselves. We're under the watch of a kind and present Heavenly Father. If we are lost, he comes to get us. David acknowledges this, that the Lord is his shepherd, and said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Our shepherd provides for us daily, protects us, and gives us his peace. And so we can take all that information and we can think it's really, really nice to hear, especially on Thanksgiving Sunday, right? We're, we're all about giving thanks for all that we have and for all that God has given us. But it calls for more than just feeling like this is true for you and I. Verse 3 starts off with the word acknowledge. Some other translations use the word know. Know that the Lord made us. Know that we are his people. To know or to acknowledge means to accept or admit the truth of something. As people who strive to live more and more like Christ every single day, do we know this to be true? Do you know that God loves you and calls you his own? Because if I have to admit to something to you, if I have to admit something to you, I can look at all the mistakes I make and the sins in my own life and think it would be much, much more easier to accept that God couldn't forgive me when the exact opposite is true. That he loves me in spite of that. And desires for me to know that he is God and that I am his child. It is more than God simply claiming ownership and sovereignty over us. It's compassion and care for his creation. Do you know that to be true for your own life today, church? Because if so, our word says that that is reason enough to give him your joyful thanksgiving. Proverbs 3 5 to 6 puts more emphasis on the importance of acknowledging God by saying, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't put your confidence in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. To acknowledge God as our creator and shepherd, the one who guides our paths, it takes a lot of learning. But the more you acknowledge God, the more you will love him because you'll see more and more the ways that he loves you. The more you love him, the more joy you will have when entering into his presence. The way won't always be easy, but if we trust him, we are able to rest in his will for us and let him direct our paths as our heavenly father. To acknowledge God in such a way in our lives means to recognize that we, in many ways, aren't self-made. Right? To get to that point where we can know beyond a doubt that God is who he says he is and to joyfully worship him as such requires a surrender of ourselves. Verse 3 of our scripture this morning, make sure to emphasize to us that he made us, that we are his. This verse in Proverbs also reminds us not in such a way to not put confidence in our own understanding. It's not telling us to be mindless or naive. In fact, quite the opposite. I believe as followers of Jesus, we should always be asking questions. We should always be growing in our knowledge of him. That's how we grow closer to God in relationship. So it's not calling us to be mindless or naive, just that we recognize that God sees the bigger picture of our lives. And when we remind ourselves of who God is, at the same time, we will be reminded of who we are, that he is the creator, that we are his people. 
When we pick up Lucy from, from daycare these days, it's usually when she is outside playing with the rest of her kids from her class. They have this fenced-off play area, and there's a viewing window uh, that, that Esther and I sometimes like to look through before we, pick, we, before we go out and pick her up. We like to see her playing with her friends and socializing and growing in that way. But uh, oftentimes, though, she'll know to look at that window at a certain time because she knows when we pick her up now. And she sees us standing there, at which point she'll drop whatever she was doing, run across the yard through a crowd of toddlers with open arms yelling, Dada, Mama, that, that's my Dada, that's, or that's my Mama. And she doesn't have the capacity yet either to run like a normal human. It's, it's still more of like a... Like a like kind of, I'm sorry for those of you online. You only see the upper half of me. That probably looked weird, but yeah. I was demonstrating a toddler run. But it's the cutest thing in the world, right? And it fills my heart. I don't think I feel more acknowledged as a father than in those moments where my child runs to me and calls me dad. I like to imagine that that is what God feels like when we acknowledge him for who he is. Next point to this morning. Enter in. Earlier, I... I thoroughly enjoyed poking fun at the fact that, that I have the perfect introvert's Thanksgiving celebration waiting for me back home. But the truth of the matter is that for me, I love welcoming people into our home. I really do. To open the door for them and invite them into our place is a great feeling for me because I always want to be the type of person that will allow people to enter my home, to feel welcomed and loved the moment that they step through. Oftentimes, we will have ministry events at our home, invite friends over to dinner, have people stay with us for sometimes weeks at a time and host family functions. And as much as I like to make fun of myself by saying how introverted I am, there's ultimately no greater feeling for me than to open my home and allow people to enter because the joy that is then shared in, in opening my home is an unmatched feeling for me. As much as I get to just go home and throw on my hand pants, right, after this, I am excited to go home to a house full of family and loved ones. In verse 4 of our text, the psalmist transitions into the what to do when it comes to giving thanks. If verse 1 to 2 was about the feelings that our thanksgiving to God should bring us, and verse 3 was about why we should give thanks to God in the first place, this verse is where things get a little more practical. The words that are used in this verse, such as, such as gates and courts, may point to the traditions of the temple at the time of writing. The gates led to the temple, and the courts were the open spaces that surrounded the temple. It was in these spaces that worship was celebrated and not inside the temple itself. The reason for that was because the temple building itself had a place that was separated from the rest, which only the high priest could enter into. And even then, they could only enter the, into that place once a year. That, the name of that place was the Holy of Holies. It was the place where God's presence dwelled, and it was separated from the rest by a big curtain. But when Jesus died on the cross for you and I, that curtain was ripped in two. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. That curtain was torn because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. And because of that, we can now willingly enter into his presence. God doesn't just dwell in a temple somewhere anymore. His presence goes with us. 
And the, t- and the degree in which you see the truth of, of the gospel is the degree to which feelings of thanksgiving will rise in your hearts. Thankfulness involves our hearts fully. At times, we may not naturally feel thankful. At other times, we may have to deliberately adopt an attitude of thankfulness. It may seem easier to be grateful at times such as these on Thanksgiving Sunday, when most people are conscious about showing thankfulness, about counting our blessings. However, as the busyness of the holiday season approaches and the year progresses, it can be really easy to let that attitude of, of thankfulness slip away. As followers of Jesus, our peace and gratitude should not be a temporary feeling, but an ever-present state of worship and thanksgiving towards God. Through him, we have life. We have salvation and hope for the future. Our willingness and joy upon entering his presence will demonstrate our gratitude for all that he has given us. In the time of David, when the song of thanksgiving was written, it was worshipers of Israel who would enter through the gates of the city of Jerusalem and up to the temple, proclaiming his goodness. But the curtain of the temple has been torn in two, inviting anyone, anyone, with a willingness to enter into worship in the presence of our Heavenly Father. More than anything, this chapter in Psalms is an invitation for you today. If you are hearing this, whether in person or online, you can confidently enter into his presence with joy in your hearts because of who he is and what he has done. So our final point, which will also serve as application this morning. Enduring love. If you've been following along with the points this morning, I was careful to progress everything in a way that can be easily summarized into one thought. And it goes like this. With joy. The feeling we have because of who he is and what he has done. His people, you and I, those he, who, who he created and loves so deeply, enter in. Welcome his presence wherever we may find ourselves. With joy, his people enter in. And seeing it in this kind of way, we can see that this chapter is so much more than a simple Thanksgiving Sunday message. It is an invitation for a life of genuine, joyful worship as a response to God. And when we do that, what will we find? Verse 5 of our text tells us as much. We will find his love, which endures from generation to generation. The concept comes from the Hebrew root word hesed, sometimes read as loving kindness. This is a loyal, enduring, sacrificial, deep love. And our thanks and praise are given in recognition of God's goodness. He is good in his plans. He is good in his grace, good in his forgiveness, good in his covenant, and good in every aspect of his being. He has never broken a promise. He has never left a believer without his care or failed to do all that he has said he would do. He has always been reliable and always will be reliable. That is the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. That is the reason why we should be living with thanksgiving. I've always loved this quote that sums everything up quite nicely. It says, So long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. So long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. I'd like to invite the worship team back up this morning. The worship team is going to close off with one final song. And during this time, I encourage you to acknowledge God for who he is in your life and allow the recognition 
that recognition to be your reason for praise this morning. I know that for some of us here, Thanksgiving this year comes with many painful moments and losses that impact our ability to be thankful like we have in the past. And if that's you this morning, whether in person or online, I just want to say that we will pray for you and we will walk alongside you in your time of need. But we also want to encourage you by saying that the presence of God is with you in your time of need. God has not made you to abandon you. In fact, he loves you and cares for you beyond measure. But as the worship team leads us, I encourage all of us to use the time that we have in these next few moments and give him our thanks. Whether that's with shouts of joy, right? Or quiet prayer and contemplation. I know many of us have busy days ahead with loved ones and good food. But I hope that we can allow ourselves that pause that we need to take the time to praise him this morning. Whatever you came in with this morning, you can leave it with him today. Let's give him all that we have. Because he gave all of himself for us. So I invite you to stand, church, as we worship today. You make your face to shine on me That my soul knows
Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we mean that this morning. We give you our thanks for who you are. God, you are good. And God, there are so many ways that you have touched and impacted and transformed our lives. But God, even beyond that, you created us. You saved us. And you call us your own. And we thank you for that. God, we lift up some of the needs in our congregation this morning. We pray for the Pharaoh family and for Mary right now. God, as, as this weekend is, is the first of, of many firsts without milt. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit surrounds them and comforts them and gives them peace during this time. God, be with the whole family, Lord Jesus, as they process their loss. God, demonstrate your love and your care for them in such an incredible way, I pray. God, we pray for Edith as well, Lord Jesus. We pray for there to be no pain today of all days, Lord God, and for her to be comfortable and to be surrounded by family. God, as we go from this place, may you bless our gatherings. May you bless our celebrations. And more importantly, God, may we keep you at the center of it all. We love you, Lord. We give you our praise. In your name, amen. Amen. God bless. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see everyone next week.